This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host, Ian Turner. It's a huge show today where I'll be announcing the winner of the Marlon Williams concert tickets and starting a new giveaway for you and a friend to see the Showbiz Christchurch production of We Will Rock You, which brings me to my guest today, Naomi Ferguson. It's no stranger to music theatre. Naomi's about to take on the role of Killer Queen in We Will Rock You. But far from being just an exceptionally talented musical theatre performer, she's also a writer, a teacher, an actor, a manager, and alongside her husband has launched an original electronic side project called Speak Softly. But how did Naomi get to where she is today? And what, or who, helped her get there? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Naomi Ferguson on Plains FM 96.9. Naomi, I want you to tell me about your musical upbringing. When was the, the first time sort of music entered your consciousness? I can't remember a time where there wasn't music. Um, I, and I don't think I'm being facetious by saying that. So I grew up in um, a, a family that wasn't... I mean, my father was very musical. My mother really enjoyed and appreciated music. But we also went to a church where music was sung, you know, four hours at a time. And and I went as from an infant, like from the moment I was born, I was going to church services. So I literally cannot imagine... A, I can't remember a time in my life where there wasn't at least singing. So on the religious side, anything that sort of stands out hymn-wise that's in oh, the back of your um, head? I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of gospel music, which isn't necessarily the kind of music that I grew up singing in churches. But I mean, Amazing Grace and you know, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot and um, Deep River, um, All My Trials, um, all of that, all of that kind of um, sort of gospel music. I just adore. What do you feel you connect most with in that music? Um, I think there's uh, there. I mean, lyrically, I think they're really strong. I mean, some of the stuff that I sung growing up, maybe not so much. <laughs> no shade, but um, I think the I love the canon of old musical songs from the church, whether it's sort of um, hymns or or gospel, because I think the the lyrics are really strong and they really connect on a spiritual level. But also harmonically speaking, I feel like there's a lot more happening and. Um, you can. There's a lot you can do. I mean, there's about seven billion possible ways that you could reharmonize Amazing Grace, and e- each one of them would be really interesting. So I think probably it's also part of the tradition from sort of the Southern American states around um, slavery, which obviously I have no personal experience of, but I find um, the the music and the connection with um, the way it was used to um, sort of assist or um, um, sort of subvert you know, um, sort of the ways that, that slaves were escaping from the south into the north of America, I find that really incredibly moving. And I feel like probably some of those, that essence is just so strongly bound up in that music that it's it's very difficult not to feel touched by the, the essence of struggle and redemption and that that's sort of inherent in that music. Have you gone off and got yourself some real church Maybe over in the states or something. Um, like that? I haven't been. I haven't been to the states at all. Actually, that's one place. One of the places in the world that I haven't ever travelled. Um, certainly, if we were in the, this, this, if we were went to the southern states of America, my husband would really like to go to New Orleans. So. I think New Orleans is how you meant to say New Orleans. it. I'm not an American, so I feel like I can say New Orleans and people hopefully won't look too too down on me. But um, I certainly, that would be something I'd really would love to have the opportunity to experience firsthand and, and appreciate. Um, 
Yeah. Moving to the secular side, um, your mum and dad, was uh, was music obviously encouraged in um, the house? Yeah, really in an interesting way. So my dad was a completely oral musician. He can play any non-readed wind instrument and he's never had any formal training and he can't read music. Um, my mum was um, encouraged to learn instruments when she was young, but she was a bit of a baby of the family and a bit spoiled and just gave up on a lot of things, which meant as a result that as children we had to commit to everything for at least a year, for a minimum of a year. And we all, um, my mum had a really strong um, belief that the arts were really important and we all had to learn an instrument and we all did at least a year of dance and both my sisters also did speech and drama. So I started, I did, I started playing the piano when I was four and a half and I just kind of kept going until I did classical piano until I was about 14 but I didn't really enjoy classical piano not because I don't enjoy the music but just because the format of having to learn notes on a page and be able to replicate them didn't really um, speak to me and when I was 14 um, my high school music teacher started to, to teach me how to play contemporary piano which is you know like playing the guitar but on the piano you know strumming but with playing and I just took to it like a duck to water my mum used to have to sort of stand over me with a big stick to make me practice for my exams and I failed grade four twice a secret shame no I failed it once I passed it the second time sorry um, but um, as soon as I moved to learning how to play contemporary piano and, and being able to accompany myself as a singer all of a sudden I just was locking myself in the lounge for hours at a time and just playing the piano for hours. So who were you listening to? Who were you playing at that point? Well, this is the funny thing about my upbringing. My mum's favourite sound is silence. So we didn't grow up having the radio in our house. I never never listened to pop music at all. Like I didn't, I wasn't, I was totally uncool as a kid and I didn't really know. I mean, apart from what my friends told me and I heard at school, we didn't listen to that kind of music at home at all. In fact, we didn't really listen to music at all, apart from the music that was made in the house. So I started writing music, writing songs quite early on, once I worked out how to, how to play the piano and, and make that work. And my, my music teacher at high school, he was sort of getting me to play things like Elton John and, you know, stuff that was probably stuff that he really enjoyed. So I, you know, Elton John and Dire Straits and Boz Gags and, and that kind of stuff. And... Um, bread, big. I discovered bread when he started teaching me bread songs. Have always loved them. Will always love them. So my musical upbringing is probably a little bit random because it wasn't necessarily influenced that much by popular culture. And then when I was my other, there was so two music teachers at my school, and jazz was kind of like a bit of a cult at my school. Like no one really knew what it was, but everyone knew it was really cool and it was the best thing to like. And so we all sort of like became little acolytes of this one of our teachers who had studied at Berkeley. So I just started like researching and listening to jazz singers, and I bought like I remember I was in Sydney when I was like fifteen. I went there after I finished school cert, and they had really cheap cassettes then, like you couldn't find those in New Zealand. And I bought my my first Billie Holiday tape when I was like fifteen and took it home and played it and was like that's weird that's not how you sing Georgia on my mind Michael Bolton does it way better <laughs> but um you just you know you it's learn. what you used I, to but I also kind of like could tell something was really cool was happening but I just didn't know what it was and I didn't know why this woman with this voice which I kind of didn't really think was that great because I was sort of you know hearing more of the kind of the big power ballady kind of stuff and that's what I was learning on the piano I just couldn't work out why I really liked it and what it was she was doing that made me really like it have you worked out what it was? Well, after school, I went and studied at jazz school down here for three years. So I sort of did a, you know, I did three years of jazz training and you kind of unpick and unpack a lot of stuff and you work out what it is that appeals to you about certain types of music. And for me, what always appeals to me particularly, and well, really, essentially talking about singers is, is the ability to tell a story. 
And I don't think that's really about genre. I think that's a way about an approach to song. And so all of my favourite singers are all people that are communicators. So I'm not, I don't really mind if people have great voices. Obviously it's awesome when people do have great voices, but I don't only exclusively listen to like really virtuosic singers. Give me an example of a storyteller without a technically great voice. Bob Dylan, period. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of those kinds of people from the 70s and, and that were sort of folkies or protest singers, they, they were so about what they were talking about that it wasn't really necessarily about yeah. that kind of having that sort of, you know, super polished sound. I mean, obviously there are people from that era who have incredible voices, who, who have beautiful, stunning, technically really, you know, secure voices. But, you know, for he, he's a classic for me. He's a person who I absolutely adore and other people find him, you know, like fingernails down a blackboard. So I want to go back to your mother. She sounds a bit like a stern disciplinarian. Was this um, a good if, thing? If you meet her, she doesn't feel like that at all. But it's more of a reaction to her own childhood where she wasn't, didn't have strong boundaries and she could kind of get away with everything she wanted. And I don't think she, as an adult, thought that that was a great way to have had a childhood. So she wanted to make sure that we didn't have that kind of upbringing. She had boundaries and she, you absolutely, if she said no, then you knew that she meant it. But she's actually a really sweet and quite gentle person if you meet her in real life. Like you wouldn't think she's a battle axe. Uh, were there any other avenues we talked about music that mm -hmm. uh, your mother or father or you mm. personally wanted to get into outside of music? Yeah. Anything else? Any other subjects or areas I mean, of study? All of my interests have always lain in, lain in the arts. Like I'm not really into maths and science. They're like sure I'm. They have great uses in real life and stuff, but just not for me. Um, I really loved visual art. I really I, I did painting the whole way through school, and you know that would have been something I would have been really. I you know I have sort of dabbled with as an adult. Um, I, obviously I'm quite good at speaking so my mum thought it would be good if I considered being a lawyer I think primarily just because she thought I'd earn a decent wage but um, she also was totally open to me marrying a lawyer I think for the same reasons um, but yeah it's 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 not something that necessarily ever um, struck a chord with me or really appealed to me we have a lot of lawyers in the family um, so it's obviously something that's in a bit of a there's a bit of a gene there but it didn't wasn't one that took for me. During Garden of Sound, we always talk about influences, and we've gone all the way from the, the church uh, through to Bob Dylan and so on. Is there anyone that's particularly sort of shaped you, perhaps your songwriting or your or your vocal style? Yeah, definitely. So my, I, I mean, this person is just someone that is just incredible, and I, um, she actually died last year, so it's Aretha Franklin, and I just was, you know, really sort of overwhelmed with how devastated I was personally when she died because I feel like she's the best singing teacher I ever had even though I never met her um, but she I discovered her when I was sort of about 19 I was doing jazz school and I kind of was a bit of a square peg in a round hole at jazz school because I have this you know the whole the whole motivation for me with singing is about telling stories and I, as a result, sort of people were kind of a bit like, you know, cool, it just needs a bit too emotional, it's a bit too showy, it's a bit too theatrical. Um, and they wanted it to be a really, un you know, like the fashion here in New Zealand at the time and probably still to a degree with jazz is to be quite understated and quite low key. And, and it really ties into that New Zealand sensibility too of not being too showy, of being a bit self-deprecating. 
And it's interesting because when you see acts come out from the from the states or from the UK or whatever, they're not like that at all. They're totally happy to perform. They're really great show people as well as being really amazing musicians. But somehow in New Zealand, we've adopted jazz to be this kind of thing where it's like too cool for school. And if you know, God forbid, anyone should ever feel like you're making an effort. And so when I discovered Aretha, it was kind of just like this breath of fresh air because all of a sudden I was like, ah. Oh. And the first album I heard of hers was a jazz album. And I was just like, this is awesome because she's just singing jazz like a caged lion. Like she just seems like trapped inside this, like they've tried to put her in like a 1950s studio orchestra with like chorus, big chorus of backing vocals going ooh. And it's just like, she just sounds like she's trying to break out of jail with every song. And I was just like, oh, this is just like so life-changing because I could just kind of see how a person has a style and how... It, it is beyond the repertoire they've chosen. And then when I, um, you know, discovered her, all the, the, the complete Atlantic recordings, which is when she moved from Columbia to Atlantic, and that's when she basically became a soul singer, and they just kind of let her do her thing. And it was just, like, absolutely life-changing for me because she is just one of the most exceptionally gifted singers. Like, she's just got this huge voice. Not just that, she's a pianist as well. Exactly. And she wrote a whole heap of tracks yeah. too. That yeah, and she was also a producer, and she had a, this, this really, really kind of solid pedigree and coming through the gospel gospel church her father was a minister there's an amazing double album that she recorded live in a church called amazing grace where she just does all these gospel gospel tunes with a kick-ass band and a gospel choir and like her dad's there doing like this big address at the start and they have this great thing where it's like you know it's a live recording so you know if you feel in the spirit you just go for it and everyone's just like amening and whooping and it's just really really cool because it feels very authentic and so for me, I guess what I, you know, what I felt like with Aretha is that just she didn't let herself be caged in by, by what was considered to be the constraints of the repertoire at the time. She just was like, no, this is me. This is who I am. And take it or leave it. But this is, this is what I do. I presume at this time you'd like to play an Aretha Franklin track? How did you guess? <laughs> what would you like to play? Um, well, there's like about 25 of, of my favourite Aretha Franklin tunes, but I just thought for today I'd really like to play one of her tracks called You're All I Need to Get By. Why specifically that track? Um, I just think it's one of those songs whenever you put it on you just feel really, really happy and great and it's also just this lovely kind of like... Um, I don't know, I feel like it's a really, also a really lovely summary of a really healthy, positive relationship. And a lot of pop songs are about like damaged relationships or people or heartbreak. And to me, this is a song that is just about love in its purest sense and the love that you kind of aspire to have with someone. Where you 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Naomi Ferguson on Plains FM 96.9. We all know that feeling. Wife's out of town with the kids. All your friends are busy. You've got the house to yourself. No one's watching. So what do you do? Don't stop me now. Ah, yes, the ultimate guilty pleasure. But from the 29th of March, it's time to wear your love of Queen with the same pride that Freddie wore his moustache. When the renowned musical We Will Rock You, written by Queen and comedy genius Ben Elton, opens in Christchurch. Showbiz Christchurch presents the Saunders & Co. season of We Will Rock You at the Isaac Theatre Royal from March 29 to April 13. Tickets available from Ticketek. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Naomi Ferguson playing Killer Queen in the upcoming Showbiz Christchurch production of We Will Rock You. Naomi, I want to talk about gigs. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was the first gig you remember getting along to, bearing in mind your musical upbringing? Yeah, I think I had to think about this, and I think the first thing I can remember going to see that was like outside of school or church was My Fair Lady being done by, it was probably, I assume, Tauranga Operatic Society because that's where I grew up. Um, and I, I, I don't really remember much about it. I do remember really enjoying being in the theatre and I really enjoyed the whole 
costumes, dancing, singing, acting thing. I thought that was pretty cool. So that's your first introduction to music theatre? I don't know. I mean, I'm imagining at some point we probably saw The Sound of Music because it used to get played basically like every two months on television on, you know, when there was two channels. So I'm guessing I probably would have seen The Sound of Music and that also would have been like considered to be appropriate viewing in my household, which, you know, there was boundaries around what we watched. Um, so no Rocky Horror Picture Show? Oh, no, no, no. No Grease. Grease was totally banned. Uh, oh, that's... Um, yeah, no, no. I, it know. Was, it, was, it was a lot more restricted than Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, so I... Yeah, I'm. I don't know. Probably it was around about the same time, but I would imagine it was. It was certainly my first introduction to live musical theatre, and then not soon after that, I did probably my first school show. Mm. Yeah. What was your first in the adult world? What was your first uh, musical theatre production? My first, like musical theatre production outside of high school, was actually a show called The Third Day, which Richard Merritt wrote. Wow. Yeah, and so that was based on the Easter story. Sort of, it was a backstage drama with a company who were rehearsing like a an, an Easter sort of like a passion play. A passion play, and all these spooky things started to go wrong, and then the lives of the characters start to kind of start to run in parallel with some of the lives of the people in the in the passion story. So, my character was based sort of uh, her journey was similar to Mary Magdalene's. Um, so, where was the um, where was the sort of the escape? To uh, to standard performing or being a musician or being well a at the same time I was at jazz school so I w- I was studying there for three years and so I did the odd show while I was at jazz school but not a heap because I I was young and I didn't have a car and that made it pretty hard to kind of get from A to B. And this is all in Christchurch. Yes, and I was not living at home, so my my family still live in Tauranga, so I had I moved it down here independently. So talking about these boundaries and everything yeah. being up in Tauranga, uh, so what was it like moving away from home and coming into a new city? Oh, totally fine. I was very sensible for a very long time. I didn't go out on school nights. I um, I think the most naughty thing I did in my first couple of years was watch lots of TV. Like, I got really into home and away. Uh, when are we talking about? What sort of years? Is um, so that was like mm, uh, mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of musical scene was happening in Christchurch around then? Yeah, it was, it was kind of... There was a lot of kind of like... Um, garagey band I don't want to say garage band it's not quite the way to say it but there was kind of like good some good solid rock bands that were coming out of Christchurch like the Feelers who was actually the drummer from the Feelers was in my first year at jazz school um and then after that there was like oh, another cri- sort of legendary Christchurch band I can't remember what they're called now it's kind of embarrassing but so there was lots of that kind of like really good solid like well put together well written rock music with really like really good players um the jazz scene was kind of primarily sort of corporate gigs and bit of background stuff and then a few people trying to make kind of an interesting original jazz music. There was a band called Hamster that had been going for about three years but they were sort of like before my time, like I came down here just as they were all moving. James Wilkinson. Yeah, and Carmel Courtney and they were, I think they had sort of gone, they went to the UK I think like probably in my first year here. So lots of the people I was in jazz school with were like in kind of like you know, modern jazz ensembles where they were just playing like modern standards and stuff like that. Um, and then there was a few groups that were sort of trying to make original music. Uh, did you feel that uh, Christchurch was was welcoming in terms of accepting music? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a hard thing to think about. I guess I didn't really start gigging so much until I was probably in my second or third year. But by that stage, you're so much in the kind of like the womb of jazz school. And so kind of like you have this like when you say to people, I'm at jazz school or I studied at jazz school, people just kind of were like, oh, okay, there's your pedigree. You know, you've got your little kind of ribbon on your chest and people just took it for granted that you were a legit muso. So I never, in some respects, you you never had to kind of like... mm, push through because the jazz school thing just pushed through for you I think maybe I mean after that my la- after my last year of jazz school I joined this band called the Midas Touch who were also in a like an, alum- an alumni band from jazz school and they were like a Manhattan transfer style vocal harmony thing they were based in Wellington so I like moved up to Wellington joined them we did New Zealand tours and we were doing original stuff as well as like ar- like heavily arranged um, jazz standards and stuff And probably moving to Wellington, it was much harder for me to crack into that scene because it was quite intensely clicky. There were two kind of really like... Um, like ones that was like the, the you know the sharks and the jets or something yep. you know and so um, that was much harder to crack into because I hadn't studied there and I hadn't gone through with all these people and they didn't really know me and I sort of was like a new girl. So what would you say your uh, biggest learning opportunity in terms of establishing yourself? in a new city how did you how did you get by it was actually really tricky in in Wellington I think also the geography of that city makes it quite difficult like Christchurch and because it's flat and it's everything sort of in the center it's quite a lot easier I think to kind of be mobile if you don't have a lot of money if you don't have a vehicle that kind of stuff whereas Wellington was just everything was more expensive um it was really difficult to meet people and, and make friends. Um, so I don't really know what my learning experience was from, from the, I spent a year there and then I moved back to Christchurch. <laughs> Maybe my learning experience was it didn't work and I came home. If you're not feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it was a great experience working with that band. I really enjoyed it and I got to do lots of arranging and writing for the band, which I really enjoyed. And, um, you know, it's, it's always a treat working with other singers because you've, as a singer, when you're gigging, you're usually the only singer gigging. And so that's why I love doing musical theatre too, because I get to sing with other singers, which is not something I get to do all the time. Looking back at your extensive musical history, um, sort of anything that you would say to young Naomi uh, as she either enters the secular musical world or perhaps arrives for that first day in Christchurch, anything you do differently? I think probably just to be more confident in who you are as a person. Like I'm really susceptible to being told what to do. But at the time when I was young and I moved here, I was like, I really have had this thing that all these people who were here, they knew exactly what they were talking about. So, of course, I was going to try and do everything they told me to do, you know, and just baby in bathwater the whole time rather than kind of maybe thinking, well, do I want to do that? Or, you know, what's wrong with the way I'm doing it? And why, why, you know, if I can't have a conversation with someone who can actually make a case for me to do it differently, is there a good reason for me to do it differently? And I think, you know, when I, I, I taught singing for about 20 years, and that was the one thing, I guess, with my students that I really tried to do was I tried not to influence the way they sounded too much because I tried to bring out the most of what they had already to bring to the table. And I think when you go through musical training, it can be quite easy, particularly in a situation like the jazz school where you're being presented with the kind of the ideal all the time of what you should sound like. It can be really easy to just adopt that. And I think, you know, if I had any advice to give myself, it would just be like, don't do not do all of that. You don't need to. I think it's time for some music. Ah, yes. um, have you got a favourite track you'd like to... There's a track, a Bob Dylan track that I really love. I love his version of it, and it's also a song I've loved to perform and sing for a number of years, and it's called Simple Twist of Fate. Mm-hmm. 
They sat together in the park As the evening sky grew dark She looked at him and he felt a spark Tingle to his bones Twas then he felt alone And wished that he'd gone straight And watched out for a simple twist of fate They walked along by the old canal A little confused, I remember well And stopped it to a strange hotel With a neon burning bright He felt the heat of the night Hit him like a freight train Moving with a simple twist of fate Saxophone someplace far off played As she was walking on by the arcade As the light bust through a beat up shade Where he was waking up She dropped a coin into the cup Above a blind man at the gate And forgot about a simple twist of fate was bare he didn't see her anywhere he told himself he didn't care pushed the window open wide felt that emptiness inside to which he just could not relate brought on by a simple twist of fate he hears the ticking of the clocks Walks along with a parrot that talks Hunts her down by the waterfront docks Where the sailors all come in Maybe she'll pick him out again How long must he wait One more time for his simple twist of fate People tell me it's a sin To know and feel too much within I still believe she was my twin But I lost the ring She was born in spring But I was born too late Blame it on this simple twist of fate Right, it's competition time. Marlon Williams is hitting the Christchurch Town Hall this Sunday as part of his Tūranga Waiwai tour. Gardner Sound has a pair of tickets to give away. 
So the draw has been done and it's time to call the winner. Steve speaking. Hi there, Steve. It's Ian Turner from Garden of Sound. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Hey, do you remember entering a competition to win a pair of tickets to Marlon Williams recently? Absolutely. I did indeed. I've got to say, congratulations, you have won that pair of tickets. Oh, man, my wife, if she knows, I'd be the luckiest man in the world. Oh, that's right. So that's who you're taking on Sunday? Yeah, absolutely, man. How many oh, that... people fit from the town hall now? Because he sold that out, didn't he? Indeed, it's just been newly refurbished. I think back in the day it was about 2,000 or so, so it's going to be an absolutely huge concert and oh. sold out, I understand. Yeah, I know, because I went to try and get some. Oh, man, he is amazing. Oh, that's so cool. Fantastic. Not only Marlon, you'll also get to enjoy Don McGlashan and Emily yeah. Fairlight as well, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was amazing. Thanks, man. Fantastic. Yeah, how happy I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely wonderful. Hey, thanks so much, Steve. I'll be in touch very shortly about getting those tickets to you. Once again, huge congratulations to Steve Wolfcamp, who's off to see Marlon, Don and Emily this Sunday at the Christchurch Town Hall. Our next competition is a doozy as well, a chance for you and a friend to see our guest this week, Naomi Ferguson, in We Will Rock You, opening March 29th at the Isaac Theatre Royal. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and click on the We Will Rock You banner on the front page to enter. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Naomi Ferguson, who'll be playing Killer Queen in the upcoming production of We Will Rock You from Showbiz Christchurch. Uh, Naomi, apart from the music theatre stuff, um, you're a singer, you're a, you're a pianist, you've, you've been a teacher, um, you've also got an electronic kind of side project thing going on as well. Uh, take me through writing original music in that sphere. Cool, yeah. So my the side project is called Speak Softly and I work with my husband who's an arranger and composer and he also is a multi-instrumentalist, although he would hate me saying that because he doesn't feel like he's very good on any of them. For some reason, I thought he was a lawyer. Yeah, so no, not, not a lawyer, no, sadly, to my mother's chagrin. So we have this um, project called Speak Softly where we write uh, sort of electronic music together. Um, it's quite synth-based music. We're kind of influenced by people like Florence and the Machine and Massive Attack, but then also um, people like Kurt Vile and you know so it's sort of um, we bring I guess we bring all of our musical sensibilities to it so it has a bit of a jazzy flavour to it in there as well and um, we're both really interested in texture and music um, so um, one of the things that we really like to create when we're making these tracks is just lots of different textures and lots of different layers so it's kind of really interesting and stimulating from an auditory perspective. So what do you want to do with this? Do you want to take it out of Christchurch? Do you want to tour? I mean, where are you Where are you playing? No, we, we really enjoy writing it for the, for the sole enjoyment that we get out of creating music. We occasionally do little gigs with it, so we've got one coming up for the university. Um, we have, the university has a Monday night concert program, and so us and another group called The Response are doing a concert on a Monday night, I think June sometime, I think, that may be at Turanga at the, in the airspace there, which would be really cool. Um, other than that, we just, you know, we have it on Bandcamp. If people like it and want to buy it, that's always a, a real buzz for us. Um, I actually think probably one of the most exciting things that has ever happened with this music is that my dad really loves it. And, like, he was, like, my my brother-in-law was playing it one time when they were visiting them, and he's like, this is really cool music. Who's this? And he's like, oh, this is Naomi and Alex. And he was like, what? And then I got this email from my dad requesting, like, all of the lyrics for all of the songs and stuff, and I was just like, 
what? So that was kind of fun. So, you know. What do you think your father tapped into? No idea. That is just a question that would take so many years to unpack. So, Is there any brass in there? No, there's no brass. Oh, there is a bit of brass. There's a bit of trumpet, but he's a fl- he's a flautist. So he's a, he's a woodwind person. He does love any music with flute in it. Like I used to be in a band with flute in it. He's just, just absolutely freaking love that. Must but, have a few Jethro Tull albums. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hard, away. hard Jethro Tull crush for him. Yeah, and you know because he came out of the Led Zepp kind of like um, era. So yeah, Jethro Tull's right in his wheelhouse. As is lots of sort of Celticy kind of stuff because he's a, a Harry Scott. So uh, we've gone through the church, we've gone through music theatre, we've gone mm. through electronica. Is is there anything that Naomi doesn't want to touch musically, um, or is there any areas where you do want to get um, into there's, or try? There's like nothing that I that I don't want to touch in terms of like there's no areas of music where I'm like ugh. But I'm just when people ask me to describe myself, I say I'm a non-classical singer because I don't I don't sing classical and I haven't ever really explored that. And there are so many people that do it really well, I've never thought that I needed to. Not even in the choral singing side? Oh, I've done a little bit of choral singing. You know, I've done church choirs and I've very occasionally done other stuff. But I came the school that I came through was just so contemporary all the way that even our choirs were all doing pop songs. So I've just never... I had a, a very small amount of classical singing lessons at my the very end of my high school years. But that was it. So for me, that's that's. If people ask me what genre I sing, I'm like, that's. I don't really have an answer to that question. I sing everything except classical music. I think at this point it would be good to hear some speak softly. Have you got right. a track you'd yeah. like to play? Um, so this track is called Far From Men. It's a track that we wrote a couple of years ago, I think, maybe 2016. Um, it's one of my favourite tracks that we've written, and it. The title of the song is actually inspired by a film that we saw in the film festival that year, which was also called Far From Men. So when I say inspired, I mean plagiarised. Um, but the song is sort of about the experience of moving, I guess, moving, having to move, and um, and I guess the sort of the broad themes of sort of colonisation and immigration and the sort of impacts that that has on people.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Naomi Ferguson on Plains FM 96.9. We all know that feeling. Wife's out of town with the kids. All your friends are busy. You've got the house to yourself. No one's watching. So what do you do? Don't stop me now. Ah, yes, the ultimate guilty pleasure. But from the 29th of March, it's time to wear your love of Queen with the same pride that Freddie wore his moustache. When the renowned musical We Will Rock You, written by Queen and comedy genius Ben Elton, opens in Christchurch. Showbiz Christchurch presents the Saunders & Co. season of We Will Rock You at the Isaac Theatre Royal from March 29 to April 13. Tickets available from Ticketek. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Naomi Ferguson, who will be playing Killer Queen in the upcoming production of We Will Rock You, presented by Showbiz Christchurch. Um, I've just said it, you're playing Killer Queen, so tell me a little bit about the show, what you know thus far. Well, um, it's set in a dystopian future where music has been banned, and basically everyone is controlled by sort of a corporation which basically controls everybody through technology. What led to the banning of music? Do you have any idea? I think a plot point. <laughs> yeah, Some, something that Ben Elton, who's the, who's the think, writer, came up with. I, I think it was it was basically a way of controlling people. So music was banned because it encouraged personal freedom of um, expression. And people need to be controlled, yes, exactly. and manipulated, yeah, and, yeah. and so on. And you're playing the character of Killer Queen. I am. What's what's her deal? So her deal is she is basically the evil megalomaniac that runs the world. And I feel like finally I've been given the role that I've deserved my entire life. Are you drawing on your mother at all? No, not at all. Like I said, she's actually not like this at all. No, I'm drawing on my day job, I think. <laughs> no, um, it's great. It's a super fun character to play. It's really fun to play a villain. I, I don't, I haven't played many villains and she's like sort of like Cruella de Vil on steroids. I was about to yeah. say, so, would you see Glenn Close? Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's well, Glenn Close, but she'd have to be able to pull some hardcore sort of gospel and rock out, which might be a Dude. bit too much of a stretch. But so Sunset Boulevard was far enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think maybe it might be a little bit vocally out of her comfort zone. I don't know. Don't, don't know. know, Glenn. No shade. So. And you've got some pretty amazing outfits that you wear I in the show. I do, yeah. So I have like these sort of 20 kg um, leather coats and very tight leather pants and lots of spikes and studs and about 20 hundred pieces of jewellery and a wig that's about a foot and a half high. Um, one of the car- one of the costumes is like so dangerous, I actually did make the joke when I was having my fitting that it's going to have to be on the hazard register because I actually won't even be able to sit down in it without um, doing myself a severe injury in the um, region which may need to race me to A&E to have something extracted from somewhere which would be quite painful. Oh yeah, so, um, and I do think that people in my vicinity will also have to be careful that they don't get lacerated if they suddenly turn around and they get spiked. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. They're really, really cool costumes. The costumes have been made and designed um, over in the UK and they've come over for the for the, 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 the version of the show which is going to tour New Zealand which is the premiere is, is here in Christchurch and they're just exceptional like all the costumes across the board are just amazing so like from the visual perspective there's going to be heaps to keep people entertained as well as obviously incredible music so have you seen the show 
I have not seen the show. Do you know anyone who has seen I the show? I do, and you know that I do. My mother has seen the show. Oh. My mother, who's now the star of this podcast. And what did she think about it? Well, it's really interesting because it's not my mum's wheelhouse at all. And so they had some people staying with them when they lived in the UK. And they were like, oh, to thank you, we're going to take you out to see a show. And my mum's like, great. You know, she loves things like cats and, you know, chess and those kinds of like, particularly anything sad. And they were like, oh, we're going to take you to We Will Rock You by Queen. And I swear this is not a joke. My mum was like, who's Queen? She doesn't even had never even heard of the band. And so she was a bit, when she heard it was a rock musical, she was a bit like, ah. Oh. And it's like her most favourite musical she has ever seen. She freaking loved it. So, yeah, there you go. Prepare to be, prepare to be amazed. How far along are you in rehearsals at the moment? So we open on the 29th of March. Um, so I started rehearsing early this year, but the, the company have been rehearsing since I think October or November of last year because there's a heck of a lot of throwing your legs around and dancing and stuff like that. So I'm, I, I'm actually in one of those fortunate positions where my character literally has like three songs in the first act and two songs in the second act. And the rest of the time I'll be just spent trying to peel myself out of leather pants basically so I can get into another pair of leather pants so I can come back on stage mm. and there's a charitable yeah as yeah well. so um uh, this nice sort of thing that showbiz do is particularly around pride week and and which is falls around a similar time to or just before the um the season they partner with pride week to kind of do some really cool stuff we you know we do stuff for them they do stuff for us it's a really nice kind of partnership but also as part of that um, a, a charity is chosen to support and in light of the history of queen and particularly um, and, and in particular particular Freddie Mercury, the charity that's been chosen to partner with is the New Zealand AIDS Foundation, which is just really fantastic. So there'll be lots of opportunities for the audience to support that in, in a variety of ways when they attend the show, and we'll also be supporting that in a variety of ways. That's fantastic. Naomi, I want to thank you so much for being on Garden of Sound. I'm very much looking forward to seeing the show. Uh, it's important to take us out. Can I just ask, what is your favourite Queen track? Well, how can I say anything apart from Killer Queen? <laughs> She keeps them always chandel In a pretty cabinet Let them eat cake, she says Just like Marie Antoinette A building a remedy For Chris Job and Kennedy And at a time of imitation You can't take Caviar and cigarettes Well-versed in etiquette Extraordinarily nice She's a killer queen Got body genetine Beam. Guaranteed oh, to blow oh, your mind oh, Recommended at the price Insatiable and appetite Wanna try? She never kept the same address In conversation She spoke just like a baroness Middleman from China With time to get She might have been again Incidentally in that way Perfume came naturally From Paris Because she couldn't care less Fastidious and precise She's a killer Queen Gunpowder gelatine Dynamite with a laser beam Guaranteed to blow your mind
as a pussycat Momentarily out of action Temporarily out of class You're absolutely dry Time for my track of the week from a three-piece out of Christchurch called Streakers. Facebook tells me they're alt-rock slash grunge, but I'm getting a tooly editor's vibe also. This is a wicked new track of theirs with an equally excellent video to boot. This is Beta. <laughs>
Thank you so much for being here today. My guest was Naomi Ferguson, who you can catch at the Isaac Theatre Royal during the upcoming season of We Will Rock You, presented by Showbiz Christchurch. You can find out more about the show by visiting showbiz.org.nz and there's a direct link to purchase tickets from Naomi's bespoke Garden of Sound webpage, which you can reach easily by heading to gardenofsound.nz. That's it for today. I'm glad you could join me. I've got a very exciting show lined up for you next week. So until then, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hi there,